Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for uh, coming along with the podcast today and for your prayers, your support, and especially for sharing this on social media. We had issues with our website yesterday, just random issues. And you know when we ever talk about random, you know the enemy is probably involved, right? The spiritual warfare. But uh, the podcast wasn't up until like 9 p.m. last night. And so when Jason Jimenez was a phenomenal guest, I encourage you to check that one out uh, from yesterday. Just uh, so blessed to have him on for the first time. And we're going to reschedule him again to talk even more uh, about his ministry. But it was such a blessing. Uh, today we're going to talk about, uh, in the first portion of the podcast, someone who really knows about environmental issues and policy and what's really happening with the carbon footprint and everything else, young people are really passionate about climate change, but do they really know what they're supporting? And Or have they been indoctrinated with emotional, uh, fear-driven arguments about mankind destroying the planet, planet and other things? So we're going to talk to Dr. Cal Beisner in just a minute. Let's open in prayer as we always do. Father, thank you uh, for giving us this opportunity to talk about things that, that we need to discern from uh, as far as what's going on around us. And uh, a lot of people are pushing uh, demonic agendas, and they are using a crisis or other issues to uh, just do the work of the enemy, Lord. So give us wisdom. Help us know how to respond to these things when uh, enemies of God, enemies of truth, are trying to use things that would hurt people but for their own selfish gain. Uh, Lord, help us to share the gospel with those who uh, we think are (laughs) in need of it. And God, help us to know when to wipe the dust of our feet off in our shoes and just move on. And uh, Lord, give us wisdom to do that. We love you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. And we lift up this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Dr. Cal Beisner is the founder and spokesman for the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. And he's a former associate a professor of historical theology and social ethics at Knox Theological Seminary. He's the author of Where Garden Meets Wilderness, Evangelical Entry into the Environmental Debate. Also, a book called Prospects for Growth, A Biblical View of Population, Resources, and the Future. Cal Beisner joins us this morning. Good morning, brother. Thank you for coming back on Stand Up for the Truth. Good morning. It's great to be back with you all. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, Cal, so much is going on uh, since we last talked. And um, first of all, what have you been up to lately? Do you have any uh, new books coming out? Have you been going around speaking on these issues to churches or conferences? Tell us, uh, give us an update on your work. Well, uh, a little ironically, I had a uh, speaking tour scheduled in in, uh, Oklahoma, February 4 through 19, and uh, I say ironically because uh, back in the oh the the 2000s early 2000 teens, um, Al Gore frequently would schedule a uh, major talk on global warming in Washington D.C. or some other place, and it would get canceled because of <laughs> unexpected snow and and uh, <laughs> extreme cold. 
And so that kind of became almost a joke. Well, here I was in Oklahoma, and for the 4th through the ninth, I got to go do a bunch of my speaking engagements. And from the uh, 10th onward, almost everything had to be canceled because of <laughs> the extreme cold and snow. So it was it was rather interesting. I will, though, be back in Oklahoma, uh, the Lord willing, uh, the 5th through the 12th of, Oklahoma, of uh, April, uh, filling in for those that had to be postponed. But, uh, yeah, the, the Cornwall Alliance has continued to produce uh, more uh, new educational materials, DVDs, books, and the like. And uh, uh, I would just invite your readers, your, your listeners, to come to cornwallalliance.org. That's cornwallalliance.org. And, in fact, if you don't mind, I'd love to just quickly tell about a free book that we're offering just to the end of this month. Please. May I do that? Yes. Yeah, this is a fantastic book called uh, uh, Hot Talk, Cold Science by the late S. Fred Singer. It's uh, the third edition of this and the first edition since to, uh, since 1999. It's a tremendous book. Singer was a legendary uh, atmospheric physicist and uh, general weather scientist, one of the greatest uh, minds in the whole field. And he wrote this book, uh, Hot Talk, Cold Science, to show what the uh, what the uh, the uh, scientific evidence really is in terms of, of climate change. And yeah. Human activity does contribute, mm -hmm. but it's very, very little. It's certainly not dangerous, and the benefits we get from the fossil fuels and the like far outweigh any harms, if there are any, to the global warming that we that we contribute to. Um, so through the end of, of February, which is just a couple more days now, anyone who uh, gives a donation of literally any size, doesn't matter how large or small, 100% uh, tax-deductible donation. If they ask for it, we will be glad to send uh, a free copy of this nice, hefty, hardback, uh, very, very fine book. Uh, so if they go to cornwallalliance.org, click on the Donate button, and as they fill out the donation form, just in the uh, comments field, put in Hot Talk Cold Science, we'll be delighted to send them a free copy. Excellent. Thank you for that. Cornwallalliance.org. Um, Cal, so much has happened, including down in Texas. And I want to get your take on the yes. recent uh, winter uh, surprise down there, record-breaking um, Arctic air all over the states down there, zero, sub-zero temperatures. They had all kinds of energy failures, uh, electricity, yes. blackouts, uh, deaths. Um, would you share, I mean, we have, we've talked a little bit about this in the last week or so, but you are someone that can really uh, explain the nuts and bolts of the portion of green energy with the windmills that they're using, how much that contributed, and what do we have to be concerned about in other states in America? Well, uh, Texas uh, really, really went through a very, very uh, severe problem here with this extreme cold and the snow. Uh, lost a lot of, of uh, input to its electric grid and lost a lot of distribution of what did get put into the grid. Um, and, you know, frankly, it's very, very tempting for me as a critic of the, you know, climate change alarmist movement, which has demanded that everybody turn more and more from uh, fossil fuels to wind and solar yes. for electricity. 
it's really tempting for me to just blame everything on the fact that, for example, uh, <laughs> winds, uh, wind energy's input to, uh, to, to Texas's total uh, energy generation fell by 93% at the worst period of this. And uh, Texas is by far America's biggest user of wind energy, uh, uses almost six times as much wind energy as does California. And the climate alarmists celebrate California and, and denigrate Texas. Um, and so it's, it's tempting to just blame it all on wind and uh, somewhat also on solar, although all the solar is not as big a part of the Texas energy grid as wind is. That, though, would be to oversimplify, uh, because as a matter of fact, even natural gas uh, suffered significant failures, and even nuclear did. And uh, part of the reason for that is that uh, natural gas, for example, uh, requires, and this is a little bit technical, but it has to go through what are called separators, because when you pump natural gas out of the earth, you get a combination of natural gas and water and some other uh, substances, mm -hmm. and they have to be separated. Well, when you get extreme cold temperatures, the water in those separators can freeze, and that stops the separators from working. And so consequently, during this extreme cold period in Texas, they had a problem of not being able to get enough gas to the generating stations, or for that matter, to the, to the homes that use it for direct heating uh, by gas. Um, nuclear stations um, rely in part on electric power from outside their own stations. And when the grid itself lost, uh, the nuclear stations uh, had some of their power cut. So the, the issue is far more uh, complicated than mm -hmm. just saying, look, chalk it up all up to wind. And yet I'll go back because it was partly because Texas had spent so much money, huge amounts, billions and billions of dollars, uh, beefing up its wind energy and its solar energy, that that money was not available instead to harden the overall electric generating and distribution system. And, you know, Minnesota gets much colder temperatures than this every winter mm -hmm. and doesn't go through these problems. Right. Why not? Because Minnesota's system is weatherized to to you know survive these things, Texas's was not, and so that's part of the problem was that too much money was spent on wind and solar, not weatherizing the system. Hmm. And another part of the problem, frankly, is that Texas regulatory uh, policy uh, prevents the power generators from making a significant profit, and if they can't make much profit, well, then they don't have a lot of money to spend on upgrading and, and uh, you know, hardening their system. So this was a wow. complex comedy of errors hmm. that led to great tragedy. Wow, it's so sad. And I know other states around them are, are dealing with not at the same level that Texas has. But um, yeah. I want to go to an article on your website uh, called Record mm -hmm. Cold of 2021, reminds us, be wary of climate predictions and energy priorities. And I don't know if you want to share a couple points from that, but one quote I want to share, uh, you mentioned Al Gore earlier, and, and man, just the influence he has had 
on this movement, and I know he's gotten rich from it, but he claimed that the summers in the Arctic would become ice-free by 2015. Of course, that prediction was wrong. (laughs) He also, also, scientists likewise predicted that snow would be a thing of the past and that our children will not know what snow is. They, how can they be so wrong and yet a movement gets behind them and starts implementing policies based on faulty predictions like this? I mean, this, I know this, this is a really wacky example, but these are what some of those people are saying. Dr. Cal, you still there? I'm, I'm here. I'm, I misunderstood. I thought you were about to play a clip of nope. somebody saying. Nope, nope. This is what, uh, yeah, I just wanted to share a clip, a clip from that article. Yeah. Okay, yeah. You know, what's, what's happening is, is that people all over the world have bought into this myth of dangerous, indeed catastrophic, maybe even existentially threatening climate change driven by human emissions of carbon dioxide and other so-called greenhouse gases as we use fossil fuels to uh, provide the energy that frankly is absolutely necessary for everything that we do. And because of that, they have fallen really easily for just absurd claims like the one by Gore that, you know, the Arctic would be ice-free by, I believe it was, he he used several different (laughs) dates at different times. Hmm. None of that ever came about. Um, and, And so... As a result, when people, when people, what, uh, lower their resistance to, uh, to false claims, when they forget to do what the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.21, we must always do, which is test all things, hold fast what is good, well, then they, they fall for these things. So in this article, and this is by Vijay Jayaraj, mm-hmm. he is himself a climate scientist, he's a, a dear friend and uh, has written frequently for the Cornwall Alliance, he's, he lives in India. He tells about the uh, record cold that India has been uh, yes. experiencing in this winter of 2020 through 2021 uh, that just uh, is utterly inconsistent with all the claims of just nonstop warming, warming, warming of the world. And, you know, he's not saying here that these disprove the idea that there's global warming going on. What he is saying is, look, if these were record heat waves instead of record cold snaps, the climate alarmists would be all over saying, ah, see, here's proof of global warming. Yeah. And instead, they're, they're just writing these off as anomalies, as exceptions to the rule, as, uh, yeah, this is just weather. It's short term. Well, that's actually correct. <laughs> but the same is correct about the heat waves. Mm-hmm. And the truth is that there is no long-term trend uh, upward in the high temperatures recorded around the world uh, in in summer or uh, daytime uh, or in the tropics or subtropics, there is instead a wonderful upward trend in low temperature readings around the world in winter, in uh, in uh, 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 daytime, and toward the poles in the temperate and the the frigid regions of the world. The result is that. 
Although high temperatures are not rising around the world, low temperatures are. And that's really good because uh, a cold snap kills on average 15 times as many people per day as a heat wave does. Hmm. Human beings just survive heat a whole lot better than they survive cold. But it's not just humans. It's all different life on Earth survives mm-hmm. heat much better than it survives cold. And so as we see this happening, and there is real global warming, the result is that the poles, the, the uh, higher latitude areas, uh, become warmer, and therefore we can, uh, we can grow crops in them. Uh, we, can, we have longer growing seasons and all sorts of neat things. This is, this is good news, not bad news. And unfortunately, some folks just think any change in what we've seen over the past has to be a change for the worse. Mm. Well, that's not so. And humanity is, in fact, called upon by God in Genesis 1.28 to fill, subdue, and rule everything in the earth. Mm. And frankly, I think that includes that we are supposed to, over time, learn the ways to prevent uh, the kind of devastating climate events that we saw in Texas mm. and the the whole of the central U.S. over the last uh, couple of weeks. I pray that we can learn and our government will learn from those mistakes. I'm not sure that's the case, though. I, we have three minutes left yeah. before we have to take our first break, Cal. Um, I want to just share how he wrapped up this article, which originally was published on townhall.com. He said, Countries should not bet their future on renewables. Even in summers, both wind and solar are unreliable and expensive. Besides causing an unnecessary rise in electricity prices to consumers, as proven in Germany and California, they also act as a burden to grid functionality. Despite this, wind and solar have been receiving subsidies on taxpayers' expense and hailed as the future of the world. People are very frustrated about that, despite the evidence or the proof or what you're sharing and what we're reading about. We're still paying for this. And just could you just comment on what he shared to wrap up that article? Well, um, briefly, let me just hit the very last part of that, and that has to do with subsidies. Hmm. You know, the, 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 the proponents of wind and solar will say, oh, but fossil fuels get much more subsidy than do wind and solar. That's actually not true. If subsidy is defined properly as actually you know, the government giving money to hmm. a, given, a given industry to promote it, uh, <laughs> fossil fuels get nothing right. of that. Uh, instead, fossil fuels, like every business, get to count their cost of, of, of uh, research and development and investment and operation. They get to count that against their tax liabilities. And that is huge because the fossil fuel industry is huge compared with wind and solar. But wind and solar get enormous subsidies. And when you measure those subsidies per, for example, gigawatt of energy produced, they get hundreds and hundreds of times as much subsidy per gigawatt as do fossil fuels get uh, tax write-offs for actual expenses. Unbelievable. Uh, This is just crazy, Mm -hmm. and it makes no sense because those wind and solar energy sources are intermittent, they are highly diffuse and very expensive, and they destabilize the grid. And in order for them to operate, you have to run fossil fuel backup for the time when it's not windy and not sunny. Mm, unbelievable. Yep, and we are got, got sucked in, and our taxpayer dollars go to help fund it. Uh, 
Uh, Will, we have a lot more to cover with Dr. Cal Beisner of the Cornwall Alliance, and we're going to talk about wind and solar a little bit more, and then bring in the biblical worldview and how Christians can respond to this and understand what the Bible teaches. Coming up next on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Our guest today, Dr. Cal Beisner with Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. And there's a video he did um, I want to direct you to. I'll put that link on in the podcast notes, but it's also on the Cornwall Alliance Facebook page. Uh, just a couple days ago with Robert Hefner V. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that before we go on, Cal? Yeah, uh, that actually came right out of the the uh, cold snap. <laughs> it was, it was, we decided to do it because of that. Uh, Robert Hefner V is an energy specialist in Oklahoma, uh, fifth generation in the uh, uh, oil and gas business, knows this stuff inside and out. Mm-hmm. And specifically to address the many, many confusions over what caused the uh, the great problems with the energy grids uh, all over the central United States, but especially in Texas. I, I invited Robert to join me in talking through this. And uh, Robert, uh, in this uh, conversation in our live stream on Facebook and YouTube, uh, really separated out the various different causes very, very well. And the result is that, you know, nobody gets to sort of <laughs> cheerlead and say, yeah, our side was all right and your side was all wrong. <laughs> no, that's just, that is not true. And uh, we at the Cornwall Alliance are committed to being truthful. And so there were failures on the part of the, uh, the, uh, natural gas side in Texas's energy generation and in nuclear, much, much bigger failures in terms of percentage of lost input of energy to the system uh, by wind and solar, uh, but they had provided a relatively small part of the the total system anyway. So the failures of uh, especially natural gas actually were more harmful than the failures of wind and Mm. solar during that period. You know, you, you cut a, uh, a contribution of, say, 20% by 90%, oh, that's significant. But if you cut a contribution of, say, 60% by 50%, that's a bigger loss to the whole system. And so people needed to understand that. Um, but um, people can view this uh, still, and it's up on uh, both our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash Cornwall Alliance, and on our uh, uh, channel at YouTube, uh, YouTube uh, Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. It's important to use the whole name there because there's another page that uh, has has other stuff. Okay. But Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation on YouTube. And I think folks will learn a lot from that. Okay, great. And we'll put that link at the podcast, StandUpForTheTruth.com. Um, Joe Biden often uses the terms... Uh, climate change is an existential threat to humanity. Um, we've heard that uh, over and over and over again, but just because they say it over and over and keep repeating it doesn't make it true. Uh, Chuck Schumer uh, right. said the Senate Democrat majority will take up bold legislation to defeat the climate crisis. 
by investing in clean infrastructure and manufacturing. It will create millions of good jobs for Americans, regardless of zip codes. And we know that this, they've been talking about this for decades. It didn't happen during the Obama administration. It's, it probably won't happen with the Biden administration, but they're still going to get a whole lot of money coming their way. How do Christians yeah. respond to the existential threat of climate change? Because we know it's not true. But I guess people just go along with it because they don't know how to react or respond to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and of course, as soon as you question that, you get called a a climate denier. <laughs> yep. Whatever that means. <laughs> what in the world would it mean to deny climate? <laughs> or you're you're called a science denier. Yeah. Uh, whereas in fact, it's those on the other side who are really uh, deviating from true scientific method. Uh, the the climate alarmists depend for their claims entirely on computerized models of how the world's climate system works. Now, modeling is a legitimate thing to do, and it can be very helpful in figuring out how things work. But model output, actual model projections, simulations of what happens in the uh, world's climate system, that's not evidence of anything. That's predictions based on guesses, hypotheses, theories about how the climate system works. And as the late uh, Nobel Prize winning physicist Richard Feynman put it in a wonderful short video called The Key to Science, uh, the key to science is this. When we want to try to understand something in nature, first we guess, then we make predictions based on that guess, and then we compare what we observe in the real world with those predictions. And if what we observe contradicts the predictions, then the guess was wrong. And it doesn't matter how, how brilliant you are or how beautiful your theory is or, any, or how many people agree with you. That's the key to science. Well, the problem with the computer models is that very consistently they have predicted, they have simulated two to four times as much warming as actually observed over the relevant period. Now, if we, if we really embrace the scientific method, what that tells us is that the models give us no rational basis for any prediction of future global temperature, future <laughs> climate states, and therefore no rational basis for any sort of policy mm. uh, related to these things. So, you know, that's the first part of our response. We are not the science deniers. If anybody is science denying, it's the people who just insist on going with the model simulations exactly. instead of with the real-world observations. Exactly. The, the second part of our answer has to be this, that uh, uh, the notion of existential threat gets no support even from the scientists on the other side. You can read through the thousands and thousands of pages of the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change's uh, periodic assessment reports. You read through their pages of all the technical stuff. You will never find language about existential threat. You won't find catastrophe. Uh, it's very difficult even to find language indicating dangerous. What you instead find is that they show that, yeah, global average temperature has probably risen by about a degree to a degree and a half Celsius over the last 150 years or so. And, yeah, human activity has almost certainly contributed to that, perhaps as much as, as uh, half or maybe a little bit more of that. 
uh, and that there have been some uh, some risks that are brought on by that, but also many benefits. And, you know, here's what I look at as sort of the bottom line on this, and this is going to be discussed, this is discussed in a major paper that we're going to be offering to donors uh, uh, either next month or the month after that uh, by Indra Gotlani. The bottom line is this. When you look at these reports from the IPCC, part of what they discuss is how will climate change impact human well-being? And a sort of a bottom line measurement of that is how wealthy will people be by the end of this century compared with what they are now? And what these reports show is that today's poorest countries, the places where people live on the equivalent of a couple of dollars a day per person, mm. will have incomes by the end of this century roughly equal to that of the United States today. And today's advanced economies, like the United States, will have average incomes of somewhere around twice to three times what they are today. And that is assuming we do nothing mm. to slow climate change. Wow. And so, you know, far from an existential threat, <laughs> we're just simply going to continue to be healthier, to live longer, to be wealthier, uh, despite what's happening with the climate, unless we have the opposite happen. If we get a lot of cooling, you will lose a whole lot of agricultural productivity. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you'll lose a lot of food. Prices of food will rise and more people will starve. So what we really need to be doing is preparing to fight global cooling rather than trying to fight global warming. And unfortunately, the climate alarmist bandwagon has us doing the opposite. Yes, they do. Um, we're with Dr. Cal Beisner today, Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. Um, we know there were massive wind and solar energy failures and all these this money that poured into it during the Obama administrations. I think of Solyndra. I think that was a $500 million plus um, mm-hmm. a, a corporation that just they, they just couldn't produce not only the jobs but the energy. But there's another article on your website, Wind and Solar Dependency on Fossil Fuels is a fact we cannot ignore. I just want to go to the very end. Yeah. The conclusion says renewables simply cannot deliver the power needed at an affordable price. And it says Biden's clean energy plan and his administration's talk of, quote, saving the planet, it's really just pie-in-the-sky nonsense. So the administration, nor the mainstream media, are willing to discuss this or acknowledge. And renewable power-generating technologies like wind and solar depend on fossil fuels. But we don't hear that connected, do we, Cal? No, we don't. <laughs> but the fact is that it takes a great deal of fossil fuel energy to make the concrete that is necessary as the uh, the base for these giant wind turbines it takes a great deal of fossil fuel energy to make the steel to make the various other components of the turbines and the, the steel of the towers the, the the components of the turbine blades and things like that it takes a lot of fossil fuel energy to do these things you ever watched as a uh, a, a fleet of trucks carry turbine blades down the highway. <laughs> what do you think those trucks are running That's on? funny. <laughs> yes. They're not running on solar. They're not running on wind. They're running on fossil fuel. 
Now, so that's just part of it. I and mean, we could, you know, give similar stories about, you know, making solar panels and so on. Yes. All of this requires fossil energy. But then we can go to the question of what about when these things are operating? Well, since it's not always windy and it's not always sunny, in fact, at least an average of half a day, uh, you know, half of every day, there's no no significant sun. And, and solar really functions well only on cloudless days from about, oh, 10.30 a.m. to about 3.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in the summer, uh, <laughs> less time in the winter. Right. Uh, when they're not functioning, how are you going to make up for the lost input to the grid? Well, you've got to make up for it by backups from fossil fuel-driven plants, unless you want nuclear. And, of course, much of the environmental movement hates nuclear, which is also irrational. It's the safest uh, and could be the cheapest energy production method we have. Mm. Uh, But basically... The more wind and solar we put into the grid, the more fossil fuel backup you have to have in order to maintain grid stability. And the really sad part about this is that this fossil fuel backup has to be running not at full power where you have real efficiency. You get a whole lot of of, uh, electricity from every bit of coal that you burn or every bit of natural gas that you burn. No, it has to be running on, on what's called spinning reserve. Uh, it's not really generating much at all, but it has to run. Mm. And that's because when the wind dies, when the sunlight fails, it has to ramp up not over a period of five or six hours, but over a period of, of seconds, sometimes fractions of seconds, mm. to keep the grid stable so that we don't fry all kinds of... of uh, you know, uh, electrical uh, electronics out on the uh, out in the users, right? Mm-hmm. So, essentially, what we're being told is is like this. It, it can be compared to the government saying, "Look, you have to have two cars. One of them you leave in your garage all the time, running all the time. Uh, the other one you can drive out around the streets, but it will just simply stop." every once in a while, without any warning, without your being able to predict. And at that point, you've got to run back, but you've got to do it instantaneously to the car in your garage and start using that. <laughs> you have to pay for your power twice. This is absurd. Mm. It is. And, and I wish more people would get that information out there. I know we're trying. I know you're trying. Um, you know, the media will not uh, generally have these these fair-minded conversations, but is it underlying we got 5 minutes left with you Cal is is it an underlying problem actually it is a problem that the left just really doesn't see it from the biblical worldview they don't they don't have that belief in god so um for example i'm looking at this quote from uh, sir william hamilton university of edinburgh in scotland he said the greatest thing in the world is man and the greatest thing in man is mind and biblical data does not sustain or d- the radical environmentalist goal for society. This whole idea of sustainability, it ignores God's sovereignty, his hand in history. And yeah. uh, would you like to just kind of sum up with this biblical worldview in mind for us? Yeah. Uh, you know, that quote from Hamilton is really fascinating because although it's dead wrong, it's very, very close to right. Mm. 
the problem with the secularist, materialist, naturalist worldview is that it makes man the top of everything. Yes. The biblical worldview says God is the top of everything, and it recognizes the distinction between the Creator, God, and there's only one of Him, and everything else, the creation. And in that divide, man falls in the creation part, not the Creator part. God is absolutely sovereign over everything. Man is not. But the, the environmentalist movement then, put instead, essentially having no part for God in all of this thinking, puts man at the top of creation. But then, as, as it tends to worship and serve the creature rather than the creator, as Paul warns against doing in Romans chapter 1, it then uh, actually puts man under other things. It becomes more important to preserve natural landscapes than to hum- preserve human life. Um, and so you have a flipping, and the, the environment comes above man. The proper hierarchy is God on top, man the highest part of creation, and then the rest of creation under man, given, uh, you know, God having given man dominion over that creation, as we read in Genesis 1.26. Yes. Now, we're supposed to use it in a way that glorifies God by enhancing its fruitfulness, its beauty, and its safety to the glory of God and the benefit of our neighbors, but we do, in fact, have that authority given to us by God. And our minds are a part of the image of God in us. And as we get better and better at making more and more from less and less, bringing greater order out of, out of lesser order, more life out of less life, and so on, we reflect God's image better that way. Hmm. So that's what Cornwall Alliance is committed to, uh, to helping people to understand. And I'd invite your listeners to come to cornwallalliance.org. And remember, uh, until the end of February... As our way of thanks when they make a donation of literally any size, we'll send them this, this wonderful, big hardback book, Hot Talk, Cold Science, by S. Fred Singer. Hot Talk, Cold Science. Thank you so much, Dr. Cal Beisner. Uh, God willing, we'll uh, talk to you again in the near future, and I'm sure we'll have a lot more to discuss as well. Appreciate your time, brother. You, God David. bless you and your ministry. Thank you, David, and God bless you too. All right, thank you. All right, when we come back, we'll shift gears, and the House voted on the Equality Act yesterday. We'll find out what's going on with that when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to be persecuted for your faith in Christ? I'm Todd Nettleton. I hope you'll join me Saturday mornings at 830 as we hear from Christians who have faced persecution. Their faith inspires us to serve Christ more fully, and we'll learn how we can pray specifically for our persecuted family. Join me Saturday mornings at 830 a.m. Central Time on Q90FM and Q90FM.com. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Since we have talked about the Equality Act quite a bit over the last several years on this podcast, in fact, I uh, have a chapter uh, that I dedicated quite a bit of detail to in in my book, Redefining Truth, that came out in 2017. So I'm not going to be too redundant here, but for our newer listeners or those who do not know what's going on with this, quote, Equality Act, um, it is advancing in Congress. They, they just voted on it. The House passed it. 
uh, party line vote from what I understand. And I, I want to thank Rand Paul before we get into the Equality Act. He um, he said, well, he really grilled the HHS nominee, Biden's transgender you know, person. I, I, I still say he's a man, uh, but it's a transgender woman for um, supporting transgender surgeries and therapy for minors. And Rand Paul grilled this guy who goes by the name Dr. Rachel Levine. Um, Faithwire has an article out. Uh, it says, you've permanently damaged them. And it's got Rand Paul uh, there uh, saying something. Anyway, it, it's a really good exchange. Uh, it, we need to know how to respond to these. But he grilled this nominee and um, he said genital mutilation has been nearly universally condemned. Um, it's considered partially egregious because at the World Health Organization, as they know, it's nearly always carried out on minors and is a violation of the rights of children. You can get into more of that. We'll put this article in the podcast notes it's at, over at Faithwire and Rand Paul is uh, standing up for the truth, and I just really appreciate his voice. He blasted Biden's uh, trans uh, nominee for backing sex changes in kids. But this is what the left is doing. If you're godless, you will try to promote godless policies, and this is what this new administration will be doing. I make no bones about saying that it, the platform and the policies are demonic at the core, we know that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the forces of darkness, against powers and principalities of this present age. And we need to know how to respond to these things because this Equality Act, this LGBT bill, it passed the House. All right. Now, GOP uh, lawmakers are vowing to fight it in the courts if necessary, if it becomes law. So you've got a lot of resistance to this and a lot of women whether, regardless of what side of the aisle they're on, a lot of women and feminists are coming against this and responding to this as well. So a lot of opposition to this very dangerous and controversial um, policy, the Equality Act, one woman named Liz Joy said, don't claim to support women and girls and want protections for them if you're supporting the Equality Act. It is not equal. It is dangerous to battered women's shelters. It steals women's sports scholarships away from them. And it hurts women-owned businesses. And it is incredibly destructive. So just a few things about the Equality Act. They would basically take disagreement with LGBTQ ideology and consider it discrimination. Did you hear that? Under the Equality Act, disagreement is considered discrimination. That's one thing. By redefining sex discrimination, the Equality Act would provide for abortion on demand, believe it or not, likely uh, ending longstanding prohibition on taxpayer-funded abortions. Um, it'll remove conscience protections for doctors and nurses. Let me give you this. Uh, this is amazing here. Under the bill, Christian beliefs will be unlawful. Did you know that? Churches could be prevented from requiring employees to abide by their biblical beliefs about marriage and differences between men and women. Uh, churches could be banned from having a dress code. The Equality Act treats people of faith as second-class citizens. In Alaska, <clears throat> the city of Anchorage had a law like this and punished a faith-based homeless shelter for battered women. 
Did you hear that? This is what Democrats are doing. It punished a faith-based homeless shelter for battered women and actually forced them to allow biological men, who identified as women, of course, to sleep and change clothes alongside these women. Most of these women were victims of rape or sex trafficking. And the city, the Democrats in Anchorage, prosecuted the shelter under the law, trying to shut it down because it was Christian. The shelter helped battered women and homeless women and raped and sex trafficked women and minors. And the Democrats want to shut it down because it upheld Christian principles. Friends, sorry, um, I report the truth. You decide what to do with it. This is just what's happening in our culture and our country. This is in America. So the Equality Act is moving. A couple more uh, points on this Equality Act. Um, it will affect female business owners and customers and employees because they will have to share restrooms and dressing rooms with men who claim to be women, but let's just call them men. Uh, let's call them what they are biologically and scientifically and biblically, right? Uh, it will affect women's sports, of course. We know that story. Healthcare providers and professionals, they will be forced to perform um, physical mutilation, cosmetic surgeries, gender transition, quote, transition is in quotes, uh, procedures, which are called sex changes. Uh, adoption agencies, foster care agencies will be forced to place children into same-sex or transgender homes, um, individuals suffering with gender confusion as parents, right? What could go wrong? The Democrat Party has clearly drawn a line in the sand. And if you are a Christian who believes the Bible and trusts in God and his sovereignty, if you believe the Bible is true, that is, you have to make a decision how to respond to what's coming down the road, what's already here in America. Let me tell you, friends, the enemy is within. The Democrats want to force Christians to submit to radical sexual deviancy. Is it simple as that? So again, now I've got something from Julianne Appling for the Wisconsin Family Council. Um, the, this bill, the Equality Act, is going to prote- uh, create new protected classes based on a person's self-identified sexual orientation and gender identity. They're self-identified, not how God created them, but you've heard this term reassignment. Um, as if we can we can reassign or man can reassign what God created and designed, right? So this is going to sanction abortions and remove pro-life protections. It will introduce explicit content. You think the content and the radical, hyper-sexualized uh, health and sex education, quote, unquote, in education in public schools is bad now. This is going to take the, make it even more explicit in school curriculums across the nation, uh, it's going to pressure struggling children to move toward experimental cross-sex hormones and surgery. God forbid. But it's happening, friends. Pray, know the Word of God, and let's understand how to be compassionate, but be able to speak the truth in love and respond to this madness, this evil. It's going to continue to allow uh, boys to win girls' sports championships. Um, It's going to close doors of faith-based foster and adoption agencies. I already mentioned that. It's going to deny parental rights 
in the name of sexualized political ideology. And of course, this is what they want as well. It's going to silence those who disagree. They're going to call it discrimination if you disagree. A couple more things. Um, the Heritage, Found, Heritage Foundation put out a lot of information, the American Family Association. If you're in Wisconsin, I know you know Julaine Appling, Wisconsin Family Council. Go look up. Just type in Equality Act, especially uh, this extensive printout I've got here. don't have time to get into it, but go to ADF, Alliance Defending Freedom, and type in Equality Act. What is the Equality Act? This is way too much to read and get into, but uh, basically it forbids churches and nonprofits from requiring their employees to live according to the Bible, whether, whether it's about marriage, sexual morality, the distinction between the sexes. Um, what else here? This is from Ryan T. Anderson. Oh, by the way, I've got four minutes left here. Ryan T. Anderson, his, his book was banned on Amazon, and I think another someone else pulled it off. But big tech and big government, uh, they're trying to undermine human dignity and liberty, and they're trying to do this under the guise of tolerance, right? So Ryan T. Anderson is a ethics and public policy center president, and he wrote the book When Harry Became Sally, responding to the transgender moment, and it's been removed from Amazon's online store. Uh, it was a Washington Post bestseller, if that matters. Um, it surveys the debate on gender dysphoria, sex reassignment surgeries, and anti-discrimination law, and considers biology, psychology, and philosophy to address public policy and what our response should be for individuals who really sincerely struggle to accept their bodies, to accept the truth. Uh, I believe he said... Uh, it still is available at Barnes & Noble, but the book is When Harry Became Sally. All that to say, he wrote, Biden's Equality Act is a danger to women's and conscience rights. Um, of course, Biden has promised to unify the nation, and he's already unleashing some of the most divisive, radical policies, the even worse than Obama. In, his, in Biden's first days and weeks in office, if that could even be so, because that administration, the O'Biden administration, which you can call it now, the Obama-Biden administration was the most hostile toward Christianity. But the Equality Act updates the, the law Congress passed primarily to combat racism. It's the Civil Rights Act of 1964. The Equality Act adds sexual orientation and gender identity as protected classes that's comparable to race. Are you kidding me? This is what they're doing. The Equality Act would sacrifice hard-won rights of women. Here's the text, if you don't believe it. Quote, An individual shall not be denied access to a shared facility, including a restroom, a locker room, and a dressing room, that is in accordance with the individual's gender identity. That's in the bill. Right? So you can keep separate facilities for men and women, but you have to redefine what men and women are. Um, we know minors will be at risk. Young women will be at risk um, because the Equality Act takes our laws on racial equality and adds highly ideological concepts about sex and gender. 
Again, if you just tuned in, this uh, Equality Act passed the House, and uh, it's going on to the Senate. Biden will sign it, no problem. So what's going to happen in the Senate? We don't know. These threats to our society are just a few reasons why the Orwellian Equality Act should be rejected. To heal and unify the nation on these issues, we must reject unjust discrimination without treating reasonable judgments as discriminatory. One more thing, you know, that, that one of the best lines, I, I have so many notes here, I don't remember what it was, but basically it was, here it is, under the Equality Act, disagreement is considered discrimination. If you disagree, if you believe in God and he created man and woman, male and female, you believe in marriage and the family and, you know, procreation and all that, uh, you are considered yeah, a, uh, they'll call you a bigot, but that means you discriminated against transgendered individuals. Redefining truth. Here we are, friends. The war continues. Sorry to bring this um, disappointing news to you at the very end of the week, but this is what's happening. I know you want to be informed, and now we need to respond with facts, with reason, and you know, with our biblical worldview, just like Cal Beisner was talking about earlier. Um, in fact, these are the two things, climate change and transgender ideology, Joe Biden said, are two of existential threats and issues facing America. What do you think? <laughs> All right, when we come back, we'll take a breath and uh, we'll let you know who our guests are the rest of this week. Thank you so much again for sharing our podcast. We need you to do that. And we appreciate it. More in a minute on Stand Up For The Truth. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. God is sovereign. Daniel 2.22. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in darkness and the light dwells with him. It is he who changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and appoints kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to people of understanding. May the name of God be blessed forever and ever. Daniel chapter 2. March 1st is Monday, believe it or not. Uh, Holly Pivik will be back with us. Uh, it's been a while since we talked to her from Spirit of Error. Pastor Carl Gallops on Tuesday. You'll hear from Gary Kaw on Wednesday. Pastor Steve Smotherman, troublemaker from New Mexico on Thursday. Eric Jackson, We'll bring in a young pastor on Friday. i got to skip ahead to March 8th just to tease Dr. Erwin Lutzer. He's got a brand-new book out, We Will Not Be Silenced. And uh, so much more coming up. Excellent guests. Thank you guys for your suggestions, and we're just blessed to hear from some of the uh, men and women of God that we have on this podcast. Make sure to let them know their individual ministries. Get a hold of them and let them know you heard them on Stand Up For The Truth. Have an awesome weekend. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.